Recon, cut the music. We are six inside. We're back, and it's just Kylie and I because everybody else flaked on us. Helen has a schedule of working out at five thirty, which is when we record this every time. You'd think you just switched the schedule, but you know what? We move on. Uh, anyway, Kylie, how's it going? You ready to talk just to me? This is gonna be exciting. Yeah, I know. It's gonna um, be a good time. Some... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hopefully. Uh, we got some breaking news, not actually breaking news, just some recent news. Uh, the first thing that we're going to kind of mention is the match. Did you watch the match? Yeah, I did. I threw on Phil and Tom Brady, um, two older guys that were talking some shade before, and they weren't favored, so I thought there was some good value there. And uh, You know, DeChambeau's been struggling going through – like he just lost his caddy and we all know what's going on with Rodgers. So uh, I thought Phil and Tom would be out there ready to go. And they just, Phil just seemed more interested in kind of being a commentator while playing and just having fun. Seems like Phil he's just kind shut of shut like, up the entire time. Yeah. And he like, so he kept annoying. encouraging Bryson to like, talk about what he's doing and stuff like it I don't know it just seemed mm-hmm. like it, it it was like a practice round that they should have done beforehand then but yeah I mean I think it it, it continues to get better and it's going to be a thing that keeps growing people watch it actually and you can get literally anyone because a big thing that professional athletes do in their off time is play golf with other athletes so mm-hmm. There's some good golfers out there that are athletes that I think could get – they could get in the future for the match. And, I mean, you can always get professional golfers. And it kind of gives people more of, like, an introduction to the golfers' personalities and the athletes' personalities. Because a lot of the times in – I mean, especially in golf, like, you don't really – get to know the players other than if they win and you hear a little interview after. So it it really. Yeah. And even that, even with that, like you don't know, like the only persona that you know of Bryson DeChambeau is like his like douchebag persona. And honestly, if you watch the match, he seemed like a lot more chill than he did like with his Brooks feud. He seemed like a cooler dude than it was. And I kind of made the comment when I was watching it, I thought he might've felt just like really out of place because he had literally three guys that are worldly more famous than him. Right. Uh, he's like by far the least famous guy in that. Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers, obviously, MVP. Tom Brady, greatest quarterback of all time, unfortunately. And then Phil Mickelson, top five golfer of all time, maybe. I don't know. Top two golfer of our generation for sure. So those are three guys that are just like, you know them. You like, if you follow golf, you know Bryson DeChambeau. If you don't follow golf, you maybe heard his name, just but that's about it. So that was cool, mm-hmm. probably for Bryson. He so kind of maybe it was a humbler Bryson than yeah uh, we've seen. Uh, and I totally, I think Phil was really, really annoying. Like there were times where I'd laugh, like when he'd say something funny, and there'd be other times where I'd be like, Phil, just shut up. Like I'm yeah. trying to like actually enjoy it. <laughs> and then the last thing was just the bickering between Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. And when they got Gronk on the phone, man, he's just like, Gronk, we got the leader of the Green Bay Packers here. And then he's just fan. I was just like, I'm over it. And just turn, tuning in, I was like, I don't even know if I'm going to enjoy watching this because, like, I obviously want to root for Rodgers and, like, yeah. I love his personality. But, it, like, I'm going to be annoyed because I don't know if he's going to be there next year. 
but I ended yeah. up rooting for him anyway. <clears throat> I definitely but. think like Rogers was oh, kind of he was also striping off the off the tee. He looked yeah. good off the tee. Yeah. Rogers. <laughs> they used I think like in the first seven holes, they used like six of his drives, like compared to Bryson. <laughs> Bryson was just trying to rip it and yeah. then just, <laughs> just shank it and like it's in the middle of the mountain. So but I think like Rogers was kind of like held back during that because of like all the speculation that's going on, like just watching him on Pat's show, like he has such a good personality and like, he's funny. And I think he was just kind of more reserved because of everything that's going on. But I definitely agree with you for Bryson. Like, I feel like he kind of like, he definitely grew on a lot of people, including myself. I hated him before that, but I, I mean, he seems like a cool guy. (laughs) Yeah. So, moving on, something that's in the Olympics, but we are not going to mention, is the Olympics. Uh, they announced today, no crowds for the Olympics, and Tokyo is under a state of emergency um, in regards to COVID, which apparently outside of the United States, COVID is still going on. Um, I mean, thought on that, obviously it's going to be a completely different um, Olympics than a usual Olympics with all the fans and the crowds. It's kind of shitty for all those Olympians because a lot of these guys that compete in the Olympics, this is like a once in a lifetime thing. So their one Mm -hmm. Olympic experience is going to be without a crowd. I think that's probably my biggest takeaway. Um, Mm -hmm. Just, I feel bad for a lot of those people that work their entire lives and they can't spend it with like a lot of the friends and family that they'd probably be inviting to these things, which sucks, but you know, at least they're still doing the Olympics. They're not going to miss their entire thing. Um, Mm -hmm. So I guess they're keeping the 2020 Olympic names. They might as well keep the COVID protocols with them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was really disappointing, especially like two weeks right before it starts. Um, I think the biggest thing is like not having family there and friends. Like you don't really care about the crowd, I guess, if you don't know them. Like people are just rooting for people to do good. And I mean, it's the Olympics, so most people do pretty good. But I think it's just like it's already a disaster and it hasn't even started and like the Euros had one COVID outbreak and like that's run by a corrupt, very corrupt organization. And it like, it hasn't had any issues. So I, I don't know. We'll see. I think there's going to be a lot of disruptions and probably some outbreaks within like the athletes and stuff. And we all know what they do over there. So I'm sure it'll spread really <laughs> fast if, uh, <laughs> if someone gets it. So We'll see. I mean, I'm still excited about it. I'm glad they're still doing it. You can't really cancel it two weeks before. So money talks with all the TV deals and everything. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, it'll be nice to have something going on. I'm not like devastated that there's no crowds for the Olympics. Yeah. There's a lot more things that I'd rather have. In terms, for. In terms but, of like viewing, like crowd doesn't really matter for that. All right, now something that does have crowds that we can talk about is the finals. Game one was on Tuesday. We're recording this Thursday before game two. Uh, currently, Atlanta obviously up one nothing. Um, what, what was your reaction in one? What were your big takeaways? I was surprised how unhurt Giannis looked. I thought he looked pretty good for – I mean, that injury was pretty scary. I thought he was 
done for the whole the rest of the playoffs and I mean he really didn't look mm-hmm. that banged up and even when they were down like 15 I was like you got to take him out here like you cannot risk him getting hurt again Wait hold on did I say did I say Atlanta did I say yeah. Atlanta? I <laughs> yeah. totally said Atlanta. Phoenix, I'm a fucking idiot. I was thinking about that. I'm like, I totally just said Atlanta. Yeah. We beat Atlanta. Yeah. Phoenix. Sorry, Phoenix. <laughs> but, um, I mean, the Suns just looked really good in game one. Every All three of their big stars were on. Even, like, Mikael Bridges, some of their side pieces were hitting shots and stuff. Um, Cam Johnson was, was huge. Yeah him back from he was sick or something like before but he's back food poisoning yeah and i mean we'll see how the loss of dario Saric is i don't he's not a big impact but it's definitely taken away some of the big man minutes and probably gonna cause aiden to play more and we'll see kind of how his fitness keeps up but i think the bucks are definitely going to be back in it. Um, if they don't win tonight, they'll definitely take one or two back at home. Um, definitely encouraging, I'm sure, for you as a Bucks fan to see Giannis looking fine. Uh, Middleton mm-hmm. was hitting shots, not early, but he picked it on. He picked it up. Um, Drew Holiday's really got to be on his game. He can't let. I mean, I don't, was he guarding Paul or Booker? They both did pretty good, but both. He's, yeah, he's got to. Well, gotta yeah, be, I'll, I'll touch on that. They need him. They need him on both sides all series long if they're gonna pull this out. Um, but I, I don't know. I think it's. I mean, go I totally deep. agree with that. Go ahead. Hopefully, um, at this point, uh, if Bud hasn't seen it by now, I think he did because he kind of made the adjustments in the third quarter, or end of the third, going in the fourth. The Bucs need to play small ball for majority, like closing out the second quarter and then the fourth quarter. You're like closing out the second quarter and then pretty much all of the fourth quarter needs to be small ball. Because if you watch, you just see Chris Paul dribbles it out, gets an ISO with Drew Holiday, and then has DeAndre Ayton come set a pick. And then Brooke Lopez gets switched on to Chris Paul. And then it's a one-on-one with Chris Paul, who's obviously going to be able to smell Chris, uh, Brooke Lopez in the paint mm-hmm. or in the – mid-range every time they're doing the same thing with Devin Booker so if those two things continue to happen tonight that just proves everybody's point that Bud can't make transitions in a series or uh not transitions he can't make adjustments in a series so he did make it at the or in the fourth quarter and that's where you saw that run where they kind of cut it they cut it to 10 I don't know if they cut it under 10 but it was definitely at 10 mm-hmm. I think it might have been at eight I think four yeah. might have hit a three but we're gonna need our three-point shooter, Forbes kind of came on at the end of the third and the fourth, and Connaughton obviously played well. Connaughton's another guy where that's – Connaughton's minutes are where we're missing Dante DiVincenzo the most because he'd be playing those minutes, and he's a lot better as an all, on-ball defender than Pat Connaughton mm-hmm. is yeah. um, for those guards. Like, I would trust him to guard Booker or Chris Paul a lot better than Pat Connaughton, who's going to be guarding either one of those a lot in these pick-and-rolls because – it's really smart what the Suns are doing. It's something that modern-day offense in the NBA kind of is, where they just see that the weakest link in any team, and then they just have a pick-and-roll to get that switch, and then they do it. So when Brooke Lopez was out, it was Bobby Portis. When Bobby Portis and Brooke Lopez was out, they were kind of going at either Bryn Forbes or Pat Connaughton, which was definitely an improvement um, before with uh, Bobby and Brooke, unfortunately, because 
that's where I was hoping the Bucks would be able to take advantage was with their size, just because we are a lot bigger than the Suns, but they kind of neutralized that with um, their offensive game. Um, so looking forward, I think the Bucks need to win tonight in order to have a legitimate chance at winning the series, just because I feel like, I don't know. I, I wouldn't like to go into Milwaukee down 2-0 where they're two must-win games. I'd rather just have one must-win game in Milwaukee mm-hmm. uh, for the most part just because um, if we win one tonight, we take home court advantage, which is perfect then you can win in six, uh, which is what every Bucks what dream is. And I'd obviously love to win at home. Um, but we'll see. I think in terms of play style, super similar with uh, looking to run. Um, Holiday definitely needs to step up on the offensive end. He had a lot of finishes that didn't really uh, turn out. I defensively, he was pretty. He was fine. I mean, they kind of just neutralized him with like, like I said, the pick and rolls. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that I think needs to change is the Suns somehow the second least fouled team in the NBA uh, shot ten more free throws than the Bucks, and that was after. That's the final step. Before that, with six minutes left in the fourth quarter when the Bucks were already up by like 15, Giannis got fouled like three times, so he shot like six free throws there. So before that, they I think we had six free throws to their 25. So I'm not saying – I still think the Suns won that game. They deserved to win that game. But the foul discrepancy in that was pretty ridiculous in my opinion. There's uh, – you can go on Reddit. There's a, one video that breaks it down. Devin Booker does the same thing that Chris Middleton did twice and Devin Booker got two fouls called for it and Chris Middleton got zero. Obviously four points isn't changing a 50 or a, what was it? 15 point game. So I'm not necessarily saying that, but I just like to see a little bit more consistency from refereeing on both sides of the ball. Obviously in Phoenix, it's going to change a little bit, but, and then Milwaukee, I'm sure we'll see a little favorable whistle, but um, we'll see tonight. I hope I'm hoping for a win. Giannis definitely has me optimistic with his health. And I think if we do small ball five for second and fourth quarter for sure and mix it in um, in the first and the third, I don't see why there's not a reason why the Bucs can't win tonight. Uh, The Suns didn't shoot exceptionally well. It's not like they they just – they're a really, really, really good team. Um, And they deserve to be in the finals just like the Bucs do. So we'll see. I think it's going to be a really exciting series. I'm going on a tangent, so I'll stop. Uh, I'll go Bucks and six on this shit, just because. <laughs> let's go Bucks, baby. Yeah. Uh, you anything else to add? Otherwise, we can. I mean, I think the Suns are like a super streaky team compared to the Bucks. I think can turn it on at any point. Um, they're always pretty solid, but I mean, we really haven't seen the Suns being like a super tough. Like they've won most of their series pretty early. Uh, throughout the playoffs and so you see them go ahead and they just keep that momentum going I think winning tonight would be huge for the Bucks. and if they do win tonight I think the Bucks end up winning I'll go Bucks in six also yeah. <laughs> it's just too fun to not say <laughs> Bucks in six we've, won it, we've done it twice in franchise history so why not make it a third time mm-hmm. it's for the culture as Brandon Jennings said all right so Baseball, definitely not in the exciting part of the season, but it is probably the second most exciting part of the season. Um, We're getting kind of close to the trade deadline, which is the 30th. Uh, So we have some buyers and sellers that are going to be emerging pretty soon. Uh, I I have a few buyers that I'm 
obviously keen on. I think the Brewers, my team's going to be a big buyer. Hopefully we mm. have a few glaring holes that we need to address. Uh, what are some other buyers that you have? Just either your team, which I think I know where your team's headed with the sellers, but yeah. uh, what are some buyers that uh, there's some surprises too. I know that. Yeah. Um, I'll just start out with, we didn't see too many trades last year due to the COVID and short season. So I think there'll be a lot more movement this year. Um, but a few buyers that I've kind of identified are the Blue Jays. They have really turned it around recently and they have three all-star starters. Um, they, and they're all pretty young, solid core. Uh, they also have a pretty decent farm system still. I think they can use some of that to kind of get some more arms. They definitely need that. I think their bats are pretty solid. Um, probably another starter and some more bullpen arms would definitely help uh, make a push, especially, I mean, the Red Sox weren't really expected to be that great this year, and they're at the top, so we'll see if that kind of hangs on for the rest of the year. And it'll, I mean, we'll see what the Yankees end up doing. But another one that I have is the Padres. They're in an absolute battle in their division with the Dodgers and the Giants. Um, obviously, they're really solid. I love their pitching staff. They got to hope that um, Blake Snell can turn it around. I think they could use some more bullpen arms and potentially another bat in that lineup. They're super dangerous, and they also have a really good farm system, which if you look at their pitching staff, they don't necessarily need some of their top pitching prospects like Mackenzie Gore, people like that. I think they can move and get a few solid pieces to really make a run this year because they've looked really good. Um, I guess do you have any right now before I name my last two buyers? Uh, I don't know. You've kind of nailed all of them. Besides the Brewers, I guess I could see the Reds maybe becoming buyers just yeah. because they have a pretty solid farm system and they have some, like, I think they could address the pitching situation that they currently have. Mm -hmm. Obviously that uh, it's not their hitting is the issue as they're, they've got two just absurdly talented hitters. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, they're the highest score run scorers in the NL Central by about 40 runs and they only have a plus five run differential. So like yeah. that just speaks to how streaky their pitching can be. Mm -hmm. uh, but the Brewers and the Reds are obviously, I follow the central a lot more than I follow any of these other divisions. I could see also, I think the Mets should probably be buyers at the market or at the deadline. Obviously they're mm -hmm. leading, so they should be buyers, but I think it's kind of really important for them to be because they lack a lot of hitting and I honestly think they could probably pick up another starting pitcher too. Obviously outside of DeGrom, they don't have a whole lot. Mm -hmm. So there's a few, there's, there's a lot of options with a lot of these teams. Um, I'll let you name your other two buyers. And then sellers is a little bit easier um, for yeah. me. I think there's a lot of sellers. Yeah. So I'll agree with you with the Reds. One kind of big match that I, I mean, it's not going to happen because it's within the division, but I really think Javier Baez to the Reds would be really beneficial for them. They could definitely use a everyday shortstop. That's something they lack. And 
Javier Baez has good production. He just doesn't have hit for good average. And I think, I mean, if you follow baseball, you know hitting's contagious. And I think if you put him behind Winker and Castellanos, that would really help him kind of – I mean, with his production, there will be guys on base a lot of the time. And if they're getting hits, like solid hits, maybe he's not swinging for the fences and kind of try to keep that inning going. But I don't think it'll happen because it's within the division. But my other two buyers that I identified were the Seattle Mariners and a surprise one, the Detroit Tigers. So I guess I'll touch a little on the Mariners. They're doing pretty decent this year. Um, They're in third, three games over 500. They're in a tough division, but they have a really good – farm system right now and I think yeah I think they kind of can move some of those pieces and get some more win now players Um, you kind of see some of their prospects already establishing themselves right now and kind of building off that would help get an already established star that might be available kind of maybe Whit Merrifield in there but the Tigers had the second best farm system coming into this year And I don't really see them having any players that people are going to come by from them. Maybe Jonathan Scope, but I don't think they'll be sellers. And a big thing that I believe in is like having an established star or two, not necessarily star, but established professional on the team to kind of help when those prospects are ready to move up. And that's kind of when we see those teams that, you know, have been bad for a long time, have some success when they move forward and they have a couple guys in there that are going to be part of the long-term plan. And I think they can kind of take advantage of maybe someone being available at the deadline that they could buy and have there for when the prospects are ready to move up. Uh, Cause they have a plentiful of prospects that they can move that some other teams would definitely uh, like to have. So. We can move on to sellers. Who are some of yours that you have? Uh, I think there's a lot of teams out there that will be selling because some of the teams that have some established stars are not performing this year. So, I mean, I think the biggest seller is should be the Colorado Rockies. I think there should be a wholesale at Coors Field because they have Trevor Story, Herman Marquez, CJ Cron and Charlie Blackman that are all very good players that can make an impact immediately on any team. They'll probably start on a majority of the teams that they go to. And these are guys, this is a team, the Rockies that has a bottom five uh, farm system in the MLB. So it's not even like they have a lot of young guys that they can like at least hold on to and build around these other guys that I just mentioned. So sell them now while they're at least still hot. Uh, Blackman's obviously you could have sold him maybe two years ago for a lot better. But you could, I'm right. sure there's tons of teams that would take him at any position. Oh, man, I think Marquez is probably going to be the prize of that. Uh, and Trevor Story, you mentioned uh, the Reds wanting Javi Baez. I think Trevor Story would be a, yeah. another perfect guy to end up at the Reds. Him or Marquez, I think they're going to be doing business with one of those guys. I think those are both great fits for the Reds, along with plenty of other teams. Um, let's see, who else was I thinking? Uh, the Rangers, they have Kyle Gibson, who's going to be probably a number two starter at almost any of the top teams, probably all the top teams besides Padres, Dodgers, and 
Brewers. Yeah. yeah. I, oh, and the White Sox. I think any other team, Kyle Gibson's probably their number two. Uh, so he's going to be – that's a big buy situation. Uh, they also have Joey Gallo, who I think is probably going to be moved as well. He's mm-hmm. getting up there in age a little bit, just a little older. So you might as well move on and rebuild the farm system. And the last one – oh, you have that one written down. You can talk about the Twins. I'm saying the Twins, but you can say it. Oh, yeah, actually, so. Royals. Uh, I think the Royals are the last team that are, I'm going to mention. Uh, Whit Merrifield deserves to be on a really good team. He kind of mm-hmm. missed the cutoff for the Royals World Series team, so I want Whit Merrifield to be on a good team. And he's got that outfield, infield versatility as well as just being a consistent bat. Um, so he's going to be instant impact. Whoever gets him is going to have to be giving up a lot of prospects. Yeah. Um, he's getting a little up there in age. He's 32, but I think he's got plenty left in the tank. So I think Whit Merrifield's going to – he's one of the prized possessions of – the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. What, are we, what are we getting from you, Kylie? Yeah, I definitely agree with uh, the three you said. I think the Rockies also moved Ron Tapia. He's been having a good year this year. Uh, also think that the Royals could look into moving Salvador Perez. You know, he's been there since they won the World Series. He's having a really good year. He's in the home run derby. I think a uh, kind of contender that needs a catcher would love to have him. Um, Another team I have right now is the Nationals. They've kind of made a little pushback, but I don't think they're really going to be contending much. Um, They're in a weaker division that's wide open, but, you know, they just keep dealing with injuries to pitchers, whether it's Scherzer, Strasburg. Um, I think Strasburg – I mean, Scherzer's probably going to be on the move. Um, at least that was the talks earlier. We'll see if kind of how they finish before the all-star break or not the all-star break, but the trade trade deadline. We'll see kind of where they're at there. I think there's some other pieces on that team that could get moved as well. And they also have a pretty weak farm system that they could use some, uh, some new uh, talent in there to help kind of build the future around uh Victor Robles and Juan Soto. Um, I agree with the Twins. I think there's plenty of aging guys on that team, and they're just absolutely terrible this year. Uh, they have a decent farm system, but might as well just rebuild and blow it up. It's clearly not working. And finally, unfortunately, I've – come to the point after watching 11 straight losses that it's time to blow up the Cubs. I think they've kind of exhausted everything from this core. Um, They've tried the last three years to make some moves that just haven't worked out to build around them. I think, I think I would definitely keep Wilson Contreras, but I think everyone else is kind of, I mean, I love all of them, but I wouldn't mind seeing them go and getting a lot of pieces back because we could definitely get a lot of pieces for Bryant, Rizzo, and Baez, I believe. So, you know, we'll see. They, I mean, they think they can still win, but I mean, we're still one game under 500, but the Brewers are pulling away and 
Uh, Bryant, Rizzo, and Baez are all free agents at the end of the year. We'll see if they even want to come back. Might as well get something out of them. So I've kind of reached that yeah. point. I'm looking towards the future. It was fun. We got a World Series. But uh, I think it's time to blow it up. Yeah, that's all you can really ask for from a core. Just one championship yeah. at the minimum. And they delivered on that. Probably one of the best cores in recent memory from any mm-hmm. team. And I'm not sad to see them go in the slightest. So <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, they can all fuck off to hopefully the AL. Um. Yeah, I think that kind of concludes the buyers and sellers. I think we'll probably do another one of these a little closer to uh, the trade deadline and we'll target some actual players with fits. I know we kind of mentioned like Trevor Story and Herman Marquez, but I'm sure it'll become a little more obvious uh, as teams win and lose out. I mean, two weeks from now, we could be talking about how the Nationals are in first place and there's no way they're getting rid of Scherzer. So who knows? Uh, uh, Something a little more immediate, as in July 12th, uh, the All-Star Game starts. Uh, break. Um, I'm going to mention, just right off the bat, we're going to talk about some All-Star Game snubs. Um, I got to stick up for my guy right off the bat, Freddie Peralta. I think he should have been in the All-Star Game. I don't know who should have been over. I think there's plenty of guys that I can pick from. Um, I mean, if Jermon Marquez isn't the only All-Star from the Rockies, because that's the rule, uh, Freddie Peralta is over him, I believe. Um, Freddie Peralta is having an amazing season and I, I would have liked to have seen him get in the all-star game. Obviously the Brewers already have three pitchers in the all-star game. So a fourth is kind of a little much, but you know what? A man can dream. Can he got any other snubs? There's a, there's a few. Uh, I know you've got one. I've got another one on his same pitching staff. I think Walker Buehler has the numbers to be an all-star he kind of struggled at the beginning of the year, but he's turned it around. He's got a sub three-year RA, a lot of strikeouts. Um, definitely think he should have been an all-star. But I kind of agree with you in terms of, like, I think this might be the only sport, maybe football, but that, like, requires to have one all-star from each team. I think that kind of leads to a lot more snubs. And also, like, baseball's very – like situational, like there's so many, there's so many games and so many stats you can look at. And I mean, there's a lot of guys that are playing good baseball and like their numbers might not, not necessarily like show if they don't have like a ton of like home runs or RBI production. There's a lot more to the game that people (laughs) add that like, I don't know. It's, it's a whole argument, but yeah, I think uh, Walker Buehler definitely deserved to be on there. So I'll let you talk about his. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the other guy teammate. that you were, yeah, you were mentioning the other guy, and that's Kenley Jansen, aka third in the ALB in saves at the moment, <laughs> which I, I don't understand why he's not an all star. Uh, and like I said, it's, I think it's similar to uh, the other example with Freddie Peralta, where it's just that token guy. Um, but honestly, if you look at these four, Hater, I don't think he's. Deserves, deserves it over Hayter. Kimbrell doesn't deserve it over Kimbrell, who's got that .52 ERA. Melanson yeah. leading the MLB in saves, so you can't take it over him. So the only one that you maybe could say is Alcas. And right off the bat, let me look. Alcas has got one less save than Kenley Jansen, and 
Ks per nine, 11.8 for Alex Reyes and Kenley Jansen's 10.4. And ERA for Kenley Jansen, 1.27. And Alex Reyes is 1.52. So it's really marginal. I mean, there's not Mm -hmm. a whole lot that you can really argue either way. And I'm almost, now that I'm thinking about it, is that, that's the Cardinals only all-star. So I think that's, oh, nope, they have Arenado. Arenado's starter. Arenado's the all-star starter. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I so never mind. I, so I guess Alex Reyes, Kenley Jansen, I think it's whichever one. So maybe they wanted a fresh face. I think Alex Reyes is having a career season. So might as well, so this is my, my similar argument with Freddie Peralta. You might as well reward a guy for having that great season. Jansen's been an all-star multiple years. Uh, but I still think numbers wise, I think Jansen should have been in over Reyes, but I'm not going to scream about the fact that Alex Reyes got in over Kenley Jansen. It was so marginal. And they're both on my fantasy baseball team. I actually traded Alex Reyes recently so now I'm more of a Kenley Jansen guy personally <laughs> yeah uh you're pitching staff no, I guess the last that. the last uh no I'm gonna talk about one more yeah my pitching staff is insane for talking about <laughs> pitching staffs I have three yeah. brewers and it's Corbin Burns Brandon Woodruff how many all-stars pitch my pitching staff has Corbin Burns you Darvish Trevor <laughs> Trevor Rogers and Brandon Woodruff those are my four starters for that league so it's tens across the board. We do Roto. Um, I also want to mention one other snub is Yoan Moncada. I think he's been having a phenomenal season. Third base is kind of a tricky one um, in the AL. There's a lot of good third basemen because um, you have Jose Ramirez as the backup and Rafael Devers. So, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of competition between those guys, but I would have liked to have seen Yoan Moncada have that uh, all-star significance he's been very good hitter on a very very good baseball team in the White Sox and I would have liked to see him get that recognition not as a starter I think Devers is I have Devers on my fantasy team too uh, but I think uh, Mankata is absolutely awesome because he's also on my fantasy team and Jose Ramirez isn't um, so either way I think you can't really go wrong that's another situation where I just maybe Yohan gets it just because it's his first one but I'm not going to scream about Jose Ramirez not making it either uh, or making it over him because he's more than worthy and I wouldn't put him over any of the other guys that I'm looking at who made it at first base, which are Matt Olson and uh, I might put him over Matt Olson or Jared Walsh, but I think Yoan's going to have plenty of all-star appearances in the future. He's one of the brighter stars in the MLB and on one of the most exciting teams in the MLB. Yeah. White Sox. Got any yeah, more snubs? Um, I think just I won't go too deep into it, but I think uh, Whit Merrifield and Max Scherzer both probably deserve to be on there. Um, I think kind of in mm-hmm. Whit's situation, he's just on a really bad team, and Salvador Perez is just having an insane year. So he was probably just the, you know, the one worthy guy that they saw from the Royals to make the all-star game so I think that was just kind of that situation but solid hitter great fielder and leads the MLB in stolen bases right now so he's definitely would be uh, I think deserving and then Scherzer struggled at the beginning of the year but he's been absolutely dominant lately so uh, he could be in there also but moving on to a few all-stars there's the Home Run Derby, one of the most exciting parts of the All-Star break. Um, 
and we get to see especially after of, they switched it yeah i love like the head-to-head matchups and um it's so much more fun it's so much more engaging yeah definitely and you kind of follow we're just going to talk like, about just the bracket right yep yep like let's do some predictions so i was um just going back, yeah, uh, when Todd Frazier won back whenever he won in Cincinnati, like, I wasn't rooting for him, but that was one of the most electric yeah. home run derbies I've ever watched in my life. Like, the entire yeah. stadium was just going nuts for that, man. And it was really cool to see. I'm sure if Hot was here, he would be freaking out. Yeah. Uh, just that I brought <laughs> that up. But we're just going to go through the bracket, um, talk about who we think is going to win. Um, Otani, if you haven't looked at the bracket, it's Otani versus Soto, and I think it's Alonzo and Perez on the left side. Is that right? Uh, um, I think it's – yeah. Yeah. Alonzo and Perez on the left side, and then Gallo and Trevor Story – Gallo versus Trevor Story and Matt Olson versus Trey Mancini on, on the right side. Uh, mm-hmm. So we'll go top left first. Shoyo Otani versus Juan Soto. If Shoyo Tani doesn't just hit, rip 600-foot bombs because yeah. they're going to use juice balls in, at Coors Field, <laughs> if, they, if he's not hitting 600-foot bombs, I'm going to be upset because that guy has an absolute cannon. For yeah. So I'm taking <clears throat> Otani. Yeah, I'm yelling Otani also. I think this is the best matchup. Uh, Juan Soto is electric also. But – I mean, Otani has just become mm-hmm. an absolute fan favorite. Everyone's going to be rooting for him. Uh, international superstar. He's literally – people say he's like Babe Ruth and his numbers have literally just been completely like a million times better than Babe Ruth's where obviously it's a different game. But, I mean, he's been absolutely unbelievable this year. So, I think he'll definitely win. He'll definitely have a crowd behind him. He also has that home run. Like he, I think he's a lot better of a home run swing than Juan Soto. Juan yeah. Soto's got a much like better swing for average mm-hmm. and stuff, but for a home run derby, I think Otani's got that. Next one is Salvador Perez and Pete Alonso. Salvador Perez is number four, and Pete Alonso is number five. I like Pete Alonso in that matchup. I yep. similar to what I just said with Otani with the home run swing. I think Pete Alonso's got that. Uh, and the polar bear, he's been in it before, so he kind of knows how to pace himself and mm-hmm. things, which I think actually is an advantage. He's going to know how to do that. And I think he's the third favorite. And I honestly – let me double-check that. Um, you can give your take. I'm going to look up the yeah, odds real quick. I agree. I think Alonzo is going to win this matchup also. Perez is a catcher. We'll see how well his legs stay under him. Uh, it's definitely the most grueling position in MLB. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's a bigger body, so he might get a little tired and lose the pace a little bit. But – that should also be an exciting matchup. Yeah. I think uh, Alonzo's experience will definitely help him uh, move forward in this. Okay, before we move on, we got Otani at plus 380, Joey Gallo at plus 475, Pete Alonzo plus 550, Matt Olson at plus 650, Salvador Perez at plus 650, Trey, oops, Trevor Story at plus 800, Juan Soto at plus 800, and Trey Mancini at plus 850. So, like I said, I like Pete Alonzo's value at that plus 515. I like Shoei Otani at plus 380 as well. So, I, would, I might sprinkle a little bit on both of those. Um, yeah. But moving on to the right side of the bracket, we got Joey Gallo versus Trevor Story. 
Trevor's story is going to have the crowd behind him, and I yeah. th- I think he's my um, Frazier. So I think I'm actually going to take Trevor's story here just because I feel like he knows the ballpark. He knows which where to hit it, and he like I said, the crowd's going to be behind him, and it's going to be that's going to be the electric matchup right there. It's yeah. Trevor's story upsetting Joey Gallo. You heard it here yeah. first, six inside. I like I like story also. I actually don't mind the plus eight hundred for him to win with the crowd behind him. He hits absolute bombs. Um, he's used to playing in the park. He knows mm-hmm. where where it can go out the best. Um, I think he'll win this. Um, I think the, a lot of these matchups will be very like crowd heavy. Um, I think there's kind of a person in almost every matchup that crowds will get behind so uh, especially in your home park so it's definitely easier to swing the bat hard when you got a lot of fans cheering for you so yeah i would agree with that and the last one is matt olson versus trey mancini trey mancini is one of my fantasy guys so i'll take him because he's been putting up numbers for me um but i actually think matt olson's probably gonna win that i don't see i think trey mancini's gonna, he's i don't know i don't really care i don't think either of them beat joey gallo or trevor story but who are you thinking for that? They're both good. I, I actually <laughs> I mean, was going to say – This is going to be a fun matchup. I was actually going to say Mancini also. I, I love absolutely love his story, cancer survivor. I think, as I mentioned, like people will pick a side in each matchup and the crowd will really get behind like his story. I'm sure they'll make like a big emphasis on it, probably play like a little video about it before – um, I mean, everyone's rooting for him. That's awesome. Um, cancer is a terrible thing, and he overcame it. He's come back, and now he's in the home run derby. Get to showcase to the whole world. So I'm really rooting for him. Um, I mean, Olsen's probably a better power hitter. I agree with that. But I think uh, Mancini's going to come in there ready to win. Uh, that would be absolutely electric if he won the whole We're pro Mancini. Yeah. Mancini stands. Six inside is pro-Mancini, <laughs> and we're anti-cancer. Yeah. Anti-cancer, pro-Mancini. Sigma, sig, sigs inside. All right, and then just give, give me your winner. Who's winning? I'm going to go Story. I think the home crowd's going to be behind him. Um, he'll kind of be maybe showcasing a little bit for some teams to come by him so he can get off the absolute ass Rockies. Um, I'm going with it. I'm going to sprinkle on plus 800. That's really good value. I like Trevor Story too, but I'll be different. So I'm going to go Polar Bear. Um, I think Pete Alonzo has got a great – I mean, like I said, he's been in it before. So I think that's actually a pretty solid advantage. He's going to be able to pace himself a lot better. So I'm going to go Pete Alonzo. Uh, my top three are definitely Otani, Alonzo, and Story, though. I think any of those three guys, those are my three favorites. Um, but that has been all of our time. Uh, thanks for listening. Maybe we'll have a full crew back. Maybe we won't. Maybe yeah. Jack Allen and I'll be working out with his buddies again. Who knows? Aiden, we miss you. See you soon. Yeah. I don't like hosting as much as you do because you do a better job. Uh, it's been another episode until next time, everybody later.